Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad that you're here today. Um, you know how, like, sometimes you just have experiences in life, and you have to share it with someone? So for my dad's Christmas present, I took into the uh, Crossroads Classic, which is a basketball game where you have IU, Notre Dame, uh, Butler, and Purdue. And so we go to this game yesterday. It was a real exciting game if you heard about it. Uh, it uh, went into overtime, and uh, my dad's sitting right beside me, and IU scores. We're big IU fans. So IU scores, and they tie the game up, and my dad jumps in the air, and he goes, There is a God! There is a God! And I thought, Oh, my Lord, he's going to have a heart attack right here, you know? Um, well, hey, uh, we had some people that painted yesterday, and if you help paint at the... Uh, office at the uh, jar office would you just stand for a second and let's give them a hand whoever helped paint yesterday uh, let's give these folks a hand and just a big thank you to all of you this is what it looks like now and uh, there'll be carpet coming soon and it'll be a great space uh, for us to be able uh, to utilize well, uh, we are in week three of our series called Home for Christmas, and some of you are home for Christmas right now. Uh, you've traveled in and you're here. Others of you are going to be traveling uh, either this week or uh, maybe after uh, Christmas next week. And some of you are wondering right now, can I cancel Christmas at my house? You're like, is somebody else, could they take this on? Well, the thing with Christmas is that it always brings a lot of different uh, kind of uh, situations. And Christmas can be a very complex time. Now, my family, uh, my wife Jennifer, and we have two girls, 10 and 8, uh, Jordan and Shiloh, will be traveling on Christmas Day to go to Noblesville, Indiana. And over the last 24 years, uh, we have gone to my in-law's house, for Christmas Day. We do Christmas Eve with my family and Christmas Day with hers. Now, the very first time I ever celebrated Christmas with my in-laws, Jennifer and I were engaged, and she said, now this may be a little different than your family. Uh, we actually all dress up, and there's a formal dinner where uh, we have prime rib. So I was down with the prime rib and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I wasn't sure what to expect. And I remember uh, sitting around this table, and everyone's very formal, and everything's going well. And then my father-in-law turned to me, and he said, well, Chris, how are classes going? And I said, well, they're all going pretty well except one class, and it sucks like that. <laughs> now, this is what I didn't know. He hated that word. He did not like that word at all. And from that moment for the next 18 months until we got married, he did not like me very much, okay? But you know, it's like a cancer. I just draw on people sometimes, you know, it doesn't go away. Well, they had this great big formal dinner, and that's what they were known for. My family on the other side, we took Chef Boardy pizza, and that's what we had for Christmas, you know? Like totally different things. Also, I remember walking in, and in the living room, there were gifts all the way. Half of the, the room was filled with gifts. In my family, you got one big gift and one small gift, and we were done in 20 minutes, okay? Their 
You opened each gift. Everybody watched. You took it out. Everybody saw everything. It took so long, we couldn't finish it on Christmas Day the first time. And I thought, Jennifer, I can't handle this, you know. And uh, since then, it's changed. The other thing that was kind of unique, too, was that every single gift had one of these. Do you know what this is called? Gift receipt. And this was the ironic thing about the gift receipt. People would not have even opened the gift yet. I'll never forget, my my mother-in-law got my father-in-law a leather coat, and he hasn't even opened the gift yet. And this is what she says. Well, I want you to know there's a gift receipt if you don't like it, so don't worry about it. I'm thinking, he hadn't even opened the gift yet. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what's going on? And, you know, this whole concept of a gift receipt is really saying, if you're disappointed with your gift, just say thank you, and then tomorrow go get what you really want, you know? I'm convinced that one day on their side of the family, we won't even have gifts anymore. We'll just exchange these, you know? We'll just exchange them back and forth. There's a number at the bottom, and that's it. Well, you know, Christmas is a time when there's all kinds of weird things that kind of happen within our family and our family systems. And there's unknown expectations and pressures. And Christmas is a time where the highs feel much higher than they probably are and the lows feel much lower than they are. For some of you, you're experiencing really high Christmas experiences uh, this Christmas. You're uh, having a, a new child that has the first time they're going to celebrate Christmas. For others of you, maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe for some of you, this is your first uh, time in which you're married to your spouse and you're celebrating Christmas that way. Maybe for some of you, you got a new job this year and you're, you're doing well financially and you feel great and things are going really well. Maybe for some of you, you got a new relationship or a new friend and you're excited for that. And Christmas is going to be a high. But Christmas also, folks, can be a time in which the lows feel very, very low. And sometimes what happens in each of our lives is that the things that are broken in our lives, they really come to light during Christmas. Broken relationships, broken finances, broken people. Maybe for some of you, you lost your job this year, and you're just wondering, what is the future going to hold? Maybe for some of you, you've had to end a relationship. You've gone through a divorce or a breakup, and you're alone, and it's sad, and it's difficult. Maybe for some of you, you have lost a loved one this year, and it's the first Christmas without that person. Or you have someone who you know is very sick in your family, and they may just barely make it before you know life is going to change. Maybe for some of you, quite honestly, this Christmas doesn't feel any different than the last few Christmases because you've been going through a season where you just feel kind of discouraged and down and you're just kind of wondering, hey, just one more thing, one more thing, and yet all of it brings a load to you in the midst of that. Folks, we all have situations and circumstances where there are times in which we're like, I don't want this. We don't ask for it. We don't anticipate it. We honestly wish there was a gift receipt where we could put this back and we wouldn't have to deal with whatever that particular issue is that we're struggling with. But they don't take life back that way. Well, the good news is is that the Christmas story, folks, is really about an unwanted gift that came. 
And the reason it is is because each of our lives, there are times in which we have unwanted gifts. Although we romanticize the whole Christmas story and we have the baby Jesus, you know, and uh, wise men and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph, uh, the truth is that the real Christmas story looked very differently. And today we're going to look at a character who uh, saw it through a very different lens, a guy by the name of Joseph. Now, Everyone talks about Mary. Uh, Mary is a, a saint, very high in the Catholic Church. But Joseph, over time, has actually become a pretty quiet character. We don't really talk about him very much. He's a person who is very quiet. He's a man of few words. In fact, if you read the New Testament, one of the things that you'll find in the second half of the Bible, Joseph never speaks. There isn't a word that we're even told that is quoted regarding him. But yet Joseph... I want you to know, was not a passive bystander to this story. He was a part of the miracle. Now, Joseph faced what for him was an unwanted gift that he wished he hadn't received. It was something that he couldn't imagine. It's something that changed his life. It's something that changed the Christmas story. But maybe, just maybe, if you hang in today, it might have the power to actually change your life. So let's jump into the story in Matthew chapter 1 which is the first book of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. In verse 18, we read, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now, that word Messiah means the anointed one, the one they're expecting. For 700 years, Jewish people have been waiting for this Messiah, this king to be born. And this is the one. It goes on. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now the phrase pledge to be married uh, is very different than an engagement. Uh, today, if uh, a couple gets engaged, it's two st- uh, starry-eyed people who are clueless who plan an event and then they bankrupt their family. Uh, that's basically what engagement means. But for this particular family, it meant something totally different. For Mary and Joseph, it was a different deal. There was no Match.com. There was no eHarmony. There was no, hey, we'll be friends. Then we'll be kissing friends. Then we'll be friends with benefits. And then we'll live together. There wasn't any of that kind of stuff. They were pledged to be married, which actually meant that that was an arranged marriage from their family. They were just teenagers. Joseph was about 18 years old. Mary was at least 13, uh, maybe 14 They likely didn't know each other very well, if at all. And the the thing about being pledged to marriage was it was like you were married. You weren't married, but the legal commitment was you were already married. In fact, if you read the story in Matthew, I'd encourage you to do it. uh, You can look, they say, husband and wife. It uses that term because legally, when you become pledged to be married, when you're in that engagement period, that betrothal period that you were actually seen as husband and wife and for a year or maybe longer you were there and the only way to break it up was if there was a certificate of divorce they couldn't consummate their marriage now if they can't do that the one thing that you should be for sure is that no one should be able to get pregnant because no one's getting busy because they're not together But the story hits a snag as it goes on to say, 
But before they came together, in other words, before they were sexually intimate, Mary was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So here's the one thing that we know. Mary gets pregnant, but not to Joseph. And this presents an issue for Joseph. He's got a huge dilemma now of how is he going to be able to deal with this. And the question becomes, how is Joseph going to respond? He knows it didn't happen from him, so who? Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a, what's the next two words? He was a righteous Man, now a lot of times when we read this story, we're like, oh, Joe, he was a good guy, you know. Uh, Like Joe, I bet he was polite to his neighbors. A good man had, you know, a kind spirit. He was a good guy. But actually, this uh, phrase, righteous man, in the Hebrew actually means Sadiq. Let's all say that together. One, two, three. Sadiq. See, you can go through today and you'll be like, Sadiq. Uh, and people be like, oh, you know another language. Yes, I do. I'm uh, fluent in Hebrew. Uh, Sadiq, a righteous man. Okay? So this is the word Sadiq. Well, Sadiq, folks, is not just, hey, I'm a good guy. But a Sadiq was someone who followed all of the law. Every letter of the law they followed. 613 different laws within the Mosaic law. And they followed all of them. No eating unclean foods. No hanging around with the wrong crowd. No breaking of the Sabbath laws. No uh, uh, ignoring the Jewish holidays. No watching HGTV. You laughed more. The first celebration I said that and people just sat there like. Well, certainly, folks, a, a Sadiq was a righteous person who would have never gotten involved with a woman who would have the type of character that would get pregnant while that person was engaged to them and wouldn't have stood for all the rumors spreading around. And so Joseph, folks, he's not just a good guy. He's a righteous person. He's a Sadiq. It was the highest honor of any simple carpenter from Nazareth could acquire. This was his reputation. This is who he was. He was known for being a Sadiq. And this was what his dream was. Now I can marry a woman and she can honor and follow God just like me and we can have a perfect marriage together of honoring that. So just imagine what Joseph must have felt when he finds out that Mary is pregnant and it's not by him. Think about all of those Rumors. Did you did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear about about Joseph? He's not a Sadiq. He's not a righteous man. Look what's happened. Imagine he and Mary having that conversation. Mary has heard from the angel already, and so she's excited. She's like, Joe, guess what? I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Woo! Lord. Can you imagine a teenager coming to you right now and saying, just wanted you to know I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You know what you do? Come here. Smack that kid. No, but, you know, this is what's going on. And Joseph is like, what is going on here? I don't think Joseph was so excited as Mary was. You know, in Luke, there's this whole song that Mary sings the magnificent, ah, la, 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 la. 
He's not singing that. He's singing the blues. And Joseph is like, really? (laughs) That's the best you can do? The Holy Spirit. I know how babies are made. Mary. Serious. Tell me who that guy is. Tell me who the guy is. I'll go beat him up. I'll kill that guy. Just tell me who it is. Well, Mary's pregnant. That's what we know. And now the storyline becomes very complicated with a lot of consequences. Here's just one of them. Deuteronomy chapter 2 describes the punishment for a woman who's caught in adultery. This is what it says. She shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall what? What's it say? Stone her to death. In that day, if you're a woman who was caught in adultery, what would happen is you would be shamed in front of the public, placed upon your father's front porch, mocked, stripped naked, and then everyone would pick up a rock and would throw and kill you. You see, folks, Joseph realized what the stakes were. Joseph knew whatever decision he made would have a huge impact on Mary's life. So what does he do? Well, he's a righteous man. He's a Sadiq. And he acts in the most gracious and compassionate way. Scripture says, Joseph did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Have you, ever known, have you ever known of a divorce that was quiet? In all of my life, I have never known of a divorce that was quiet. It's one of those things, he, he clearly wishes he could just give the gift receipt back and be like, hey, can I, can I get something different here, God, for what's going on? Because... He knows there's going to be pain, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be frustration. Verse 20. But after he considered this, interesting word here, this word considered in the Greek, it actually means to be frustrated, to be furious, to be angry. In the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, the only place where this word considered in the Greek is used again is one day when Jesus is having an argument with some of the religious leaders and he says this, Why do you consider evil thoughts in your hearts. In other words, Joseph, why do you consider evil thoughts in your heart towards Mary for the fact that she's pregnant? He's angry. Well, let me tell you why he's angry. His reputation is done. His dreams, his future, the sense that he's going to be a Sadiq, a righteous person, someone who everyone will recognize, it is over. It is lights out. I mean, it's as if all of this is swirling in his mind. It's like a two-by-four hits him upside the head, and he's stunned. He's shocked. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had an experience like that? Have you ever had an experience that you weren't really expecting? It wasn't supposed to turn out the way that it does, and then all of a sudden, bam! The moment that the news came, 
And you're like, oh my word, how, how are we ever going to put it back together? The moment when you lost your job, the moment when someone came to you and said, you know what? I just don't love you anymore. The moment that you got betrayed by a spouse or a parent or a friend or a child. The moment that a medical report came back, not the way that you wanted, and now all of a sudden your life is different. You ever experience that? My uh, wife has an Aunt Patsy. Aunt Patsy lives on the East Coast with Uncle Artie. And Patsy and Artie are big East Coast kind of people. He always has gold chains around it. You know, it's like this big deal. Uh, we, had, we had an experience where last year we had Christmas uh, in a ch- or Thanksgiving uh, in a church. And they brought alcohol into the church. And it wasn't just any kind of alcohol. It was shots of alcohol. And everybody's doing that. And I mean, when they come to town, it is a pate, you know. And so we're uh, experiencing this whole thing. And, and Patsy, though, her whole life, she's just filled with wonderful, wonderful, joyful kind of health. She had never been sick, never had anything. And then two months ago, her world turned around. And her body started to swell to a point where they thought it was some kind of bacterial infection. They went to a huge academic research hospital on the East Coast and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And then finally, they figured out that they thought it was cancer, but they thought it was breast cancer and now they're not sure what it is. And she has 200 cc, seven ounces of fluid taken out of her chest tube every single day and the doctors still don't know what's happening. And her life and the life of our family is totally turned upside down. And folks, she just wonders, is there anything good going to come from this? Just pain and discomfort and a wrenching thought that this is my new normal. And guess what, folks, for her... There's no gift received. There's no return. There's no you can get something different. You know, folks, it's in seasons like that that people get disappointed and discouraged and depressed and cynical and bitter. And when we hear Christmas songs that say we're supposed to be joyful and filled with happiness, we just go, eh. Because that's not our life. And that's why we need to listen to the real Christmas story. Not the one that is painted and that we look at, but the real Christmas story. We need to hear what happened because we will not know how to respond when things hit our lives if we don't realize that it wasn't so perfect in the first Christmas story either. So what does Joseph do? Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. His mind is racing. And in this moment, he finally hears from God. You see, Joseph, everything's spinning so fast. And finally, it's like, I just got to stop 
I can't control everything. I've got to listen to God. And when he least expects it, folks, God shows up. That's the way it is with God. When you least expect it and you've walked away, it's in those least expected moments that God finally shows up. Not when your life is tidy and put together and everything's great. Not when uh, Joseph is cool, calm, and collected. Not when he was at church. Not when things are good. Not when all is calm and bright. But at his greatest disappointment is where God comes the closest to him. It's when we're closest to that feeling of disappointment in life that we don't want to continue, that God draws closest to us and he speaks hope into our lives. Now here's the question. He's ready to speak into your life. Here's the question. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to hear what he might want to speak into your life? this Christmas. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when disappointment comes into my life, the last thing I want to do is really listen to God. I want to yell at God and I want to say, God, why is this situation happening right now? Why is this working out the way that it's not supposed to? If you're a God, I'm a pastor. Come on, pastors should get a little bit more love. Uh, If there's something that's going on, why won't you step in and change this situation? No, you don't have time for me. So this is what I'll do. I'll go off and I'll do it my way. I'll do it on my own. Thanks, God, for all your help. I really appreciate it. And folks, this is what I saw in the story this week. The people who chose to listen to God during this Christmas story, the impact of their life totally changed. And those who chose not to listen, their life changed as well. And you get to choose whether you listen or not. So here's the big idea for you and for me. It's your first fill-in. You can do it on our app or in the program. But here it is, the big idea that Joseph learned and that we need to learn as well, and it's this. Take time to listen to God. Not just talking, not just complaining, but taking time to be quiet, to actually listen to God. Folks, let me tell you, especially if you're struggling, if you're dealing with something right now, the best thing you could do is take some moments away to stop and listen to him. I urge you to find a quiet place and to just listen to him. For some of you, maybe it's the bathroom. You know, get in the bathroom, lock the doors, listen to God. By the end of Christmas, some of your families, after you deal with them, you'll think the bathroom is heaven, you know. Just find a place so to be quiet away from the noise and to say, God, speak to me. And if it doesn't happen the first time, then start the second time and the third and the fourth until you get some promptings. It may not be, thus saith the Lord, but he may give you a prompting of like, don't be afraid. I'm here for you. You can get through this. But you'll never know unless you take the moment to stop and to listen to him. 10, 15 minutes. Because this is the truth, folks. When you are closest to disappointment, that is when God chooses to be closest to you.
Well, back to Joseph. He had this dream of what his life was supposed to look like, but it's not turning out that way. So he decides that he'll listen to God, and God says, do it anyways, Joseph. I'm here for you. I got you. I got your back. And he decides to do that, that he would honor God, he would honor Mary, he would honor this. And this is what he realized, that it was going to cost him something, though. It was going to cost him his reputation, his dream, his future of what his little life he wanted to look like. Now, just in case you were wondering that, oh, I don't know, I don't know Chris, where are you picking this up? Are you just like, uh, you know, making this stuff up? Like, how, how do you know it's going to cost him anything? How do you know it's going to change anything? Well, very interesting thing that happens. One day Jesus is out and he's teaching two people and he goes back to his dad's hometown, to Joe's hometown in Nazareth. And he goes there and when he's there, this is what the people say. It'll come up on the side screens. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this whose son? Where's Joseph? This is his hometown. They don't even mention his name. It's interesting because if you look at Scripture, every male, every son was named as the son of whoever the father was. In fact, when the angels come to Joseph, it actually says Joseph, the son of David. Not the son of Gertrude or, you know, whoever it is. It was connected to the father. But later we read, isn't this Mary's son? Uh, we don't want to talk. Don't talk about Joseph. He, you know, he's, he was a disgrace. To, let, remember what happened? And let's just face it. He's not the father of this child anyways. His name is reputation. All of it disgraced. And do you see what it cost him? Think about that. Your name, totally disgraced. Maybe some of you know what that's like. You know, it's interesting. After the Christmas story, we don't hear much about Joseph at all. He's rarely mentioned ever in Scripture. In fact, uh, he's rarely mentioned today. Everyone talks about Mary, but he's kind of in the background. I, I mean, just think about it. Quarterback. Last second. Quarterback goes back for a pass. Gets ready. Throws it all the way to the end zone. It is a hail Joseph. No. What is it? It's a hail what? Mary. But I can tell you, there is one person who never forgot Joseph. And that's the child he took in. The little boy that he called his son, that boy would never forget his father. The son who saw his father's righteousness. Everyone else had decided he's not a Sadiq. He's not a righteous man, but there was a little boy who watched his dad do carpentry stuff, and he would watch him, and he watched him not put down his mom or put her through public disgrace or anything like that. He saw one who took defense of the woman who was caught in adultery, 
who had supposedly committed it, and he had compassion for it for the rest of his life. He, he saw his father take on the shame and the disgrace and the scandal of another person. And let me ask you, who's that sound familiar to? It kind of brings me back to some words that we always think about God the Father and God the Son, but as I was reading it this week, it made me think that Jesus remembered Joseph, just like Jesus remembers you every single moment, no matter what you're going through. Scripture says this, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Folks, maybe that means a little bit more of a personal sense than what we might think on first sight. Maybe Joseph wasn't silent at all. The key to Joseph and to Mary and the shepherds and the wise men, they chose to listen to God even when it was difficult, even when they were going through hard times. And Joseph explains that to us. He reveals it to us. And when they did, when they chose to listen to God, God listened to them and he drew close to them. You know, I wonder if you chose to take 10 or 15 minutes for a few days over these next couple of weeks, I wonder what God might say to you. Did you realize that he had some very clear words to say to Joseph about his unwanted gift? That when we have unwanted gifts, God says, here's some words I want to give to you. Here's the first one that Joseph was given. Don't be afraid. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing right now, don't be afraid. Matthew 120 says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Don't be what? Afraid. Folks, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what the situation is, whatever you're going through, God's call to you, His future call to you, in your past, in your present, everything that you think, that you worry about, that you get anxious about. He says, don't be afraid. I know what it's like, folks, to... to, to Feel the victim of fear. But Christmas is not a time of fear. Christmas is a time where God calls out to Joseph and to you and to me. And he says, do not be afraid. Whatever you're going through, do not be afraid. Jesus said this one one day. I promise you, you will never have a storm in your life. Did Jesus say that? No. Jesus never said that. He doesn't say you're not going to experience some unwanted gifts or unwelcome circumstances. But this is his number one promise in all of the Bible, more than anything else. This is what he promises to you. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. 
Don't be afraid. I will be with you. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. Don't be afraid. Here's the second gift that he gives to us when we get unwanted gifts. When unwanted gifts hit our life, this is what he says. He says, take a risk. Take a risk. Look at what the angel said to Joseph. Take Mary as your wife. That wasn't an easy thing. His whole reputation, everything was going to change. But he had to take a risk. You're going to have to take a risk. You can't do this halfway, Joseph. You've got to go all the way. Hedge all of your bets. All in. You have to take a risk. You can't stay. This is what I know, folks. If you stay where you're at right now, even though your world is feeling overwhelmed and there are unwanted gifts that you wish you could take a gift receipt back and say, here, take it back. It won't happen. But this is the thing. If you take a risk and say, God, I want to change in this moment, he will work in your life just like he did Joseph. So this is the question. What risk do you need to take this Christmas? Is there someone you need to go to to seek forgiveness? Is there someone who's hard to love that you need to love? Maybe there is someone that you need to reach out to and to serve. Maybe there is an ability for you to say, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start reading the Bible. Like, I'm done just trying to do it my way. I want to do it God's way and see if I listen to him if life would change. Maybe for some of you, it's actually taking This little card right here. This could be the greatest gift you could give to someone who has unwanted gifts to say, just come on Christmas Eve. It's only an hour. You waste an hour on Facebook all the time. Just go and waste an hour listening to this guy named Chris. You know? He's not as good as Facebook, but give him a chance. And we're done in an hour. But you could change a friend's life or someone's life. So don't just take these and throw them away. Actually take this and invite someone. Do it electronically. However, it could change their life. Joseph took a risk and said, God, I'll listen to you. And when he took that risk, the whole Christmas story changed. So don't be afraid. Take a risk. And then finally, the unwanted gift that hits your life. What do you need to do when unwanted gifts hit your life? Commit yourself to Jesus. For some of you today, you're here for maybe the baptism or you're here because someone kind of squeezed your arm to get you here. But you're here just because you think, well, I had to go. Well, I don't believe that. I believe that God brought you here for a purpose and he wants you to commit your life to him because he can help you with your life and be your greatest benefit if you'll give your life to him. Look what the scripture says. The angel says, give him the name Jesus. It's, It's a legal act. It's a legal commitment. Joseph is binding himself to this little boy for the rest of his life. His future is now and forever in the hands of this little guy. No gifts receipts. You receive him. 
Folks, I have a question for you this morning. As much as Joseph had to go through difficult things and as much as it cost him, do you ever think he sat back and asked this question? Do you ever think he said, boy, I regretted that? Do you think he ever regretted his decision? Do you think he ever regretted growing up with Jesus and seeing him grow up, the laughter, the times they had together? Do you think he ever regretted the moment that he realized that this child would be a scandal and that there would be rumors around? Do you ever think he regretted the fact that he was there in the background and nobody knew his name and no one cared but he got to be a part of the one who would be the savior of the world. You ever think he thought, what if I didn't do it? What if I hadn't done this? What if I had given into fear? What if I had given into my fear? What if I had never taken a risk? What if I never committed myself To Jesus, the hope of the world. Today, one of the great joys that we have is that there are seven people who are getting baptized today who said, I'm going to not live in fear. I want to take the risk of following God and I am committing my life to Christ. And it's a powerful thing when people get to that point and they say that. And I'd love to hear their stories, and I'd love to hear it for you to hear all their stories. But instead of all of that, because of time, what we've simply done is we've asked them to share one word, what their life was like before Christ, and then one word, what their life was like after Christ. And I'd like you to see the powerful words that God has done, which has become a reality in their life. Let's look at the side screens. Folks, what powerful stories of people which Jesus just came into their life and said, I love you, I'm for you, I'm with you, and this is the thing. They actually believed it. And you saw the change that's happened in their lives because they believed, because Jesus loves them. He's for them, and he's with them. And this is the thing for you, sitting where you're at right now. This is what I want you to know. God sent his one and only son from heaven to earth because of his love for you, not his disappointment for you. But when you're disappointed, he's the closest to you. God loves you. He's for you. And he's with you. Receive his love in this moment right now.
be on both sides of the screen and uh, if you'd like prayer for anything they'd love to pray with you but uh, this week as I was thinking about I was thinking some of you might be sitting there and you're like you know God couldn't really love me that much because of my past because of what I've done whatever it is I'm not so sure he could love me but folks he does and maybe today is your day where you would finally say, I want to give my one and only life to Christ. I want to give my life to Him. And so if that's you today, you're, you're going through some hurt, you're going through some pain, you've been trying to do it on your own, and folks, it's not working. And maybe today's the day where you say, God, I give my life to you in this area. I'm giving my life to you. And this is what He'll give you. Forgiveness and he'll give you hope, and he'll give you a home in heaven that you never have to worry about. And so if that's you today, I just want to lead you through a prayer. And it's a prayer that you don't just say by yourself, but we say it as an entire church because we never pray alone here at the jar. But if today this is your very first day that you say this prayer, after we've said the prayer in the back, Abby is in this back corner where I'm pointing, and she just has a Bible for you, wants to encourage you. But your prayer right now becomes that commitment of saying, I'm giving my life to Christ because Jesus loves me, he's for me, and he's with me. So if you would, just repeat after me this prayer. Let's pray. And again, if this is your first time, when you, when you leave, just go back to the back and someone will be there to encourage you. Just repeat after me these words. God, thank you for sending Jesus 
over 2,000 years ago to save my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so that I could be with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Again, if you said that prayer for the first time, go back there. And last thing, maybe you want to get baptized today. If you do, I'm going to be by the Gatorade vending machine. We got shorts. We got T-shirts. We can dunk one more. But today might be your day. So if it is, meet me there. Have a great day. Know that you're loved in this place.